0: we complete the final chapter of the earthly life of Stephen. If you are following along in your Bible, this narrative is found in Acts chapter 7, verses 44 through 60. Stephen wraps up his biblical defense and accusation of the Jewish rulers. The result was mob justice. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, Lord Jesus, Receive My Spirit. Well, now come with me, please, to um, Acts chapter 7 as we continue our march through the book of Acts. And today is going to be our third and final visit to chapter 7. Now, as we have worked through these first six and a half chapters of Acts, there's been a very clear theme. No matter what happens, the subject is Jesus. If there's a miracle and one of the apostles seizes the opportunity to preach after the miracle, it was never about the miracle. It was never about how you could line up to receive your miracle. The subject is Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. Jesus in His death and resurrection, that's always the subject. When the Holy Spirit first came to a dwell of believers, Acts chapter 2, Peter explained immediately this was the fulfillment of prophecy about the Messiah. And then he said, Acts 2, 22 and 23, men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put Him to death. The subject is Jesus. And in every case, the gospel message, every time we've seen it preached in Acts, is undergirded with exposition of Old Testament texts. Peter started out right away talking about Joel, and then uh, David was cited in several places, and when, when Peter and John healed a man who had, who had never walked, he was asking for alms, he was asking for money, and they politely declined his request for money. And then chapter 3, verse 6, Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. Then in his sermon that day, Peter took them back to Genesis, to the problems, to, uh, to the promises to Abraham. And then when he and John were arrested, we read about it in chapter 4, verses 8 and 10, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands before you here in good health. Then he quoted Psalm 118, and he said, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The subject is Jesus. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Again, Peter quoted David, and again he turned turned the attention to Jesus, and then eventually the, the Sanhedrin arrested all the apostles, not just Peter and John. God set them free, they went back to the temple, preached again, and when they got rounded up the second time, the message was clear, chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging Him on the cross then they were scolded and then they were flogged and then they went back and were told in acts 5:42 they went back into the temple and from house to house they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ that's what acts is all about Christ died for your sins he was buried he rose again the 3rd day according to the scriptures uh, he is your savior repent come to him turn to him be saved be forgiven now, the hard hearted and spiritually blind members of the Sanhedrin at that time were absolutely furious with the apostles. They'd tried to shut them up, they'd tried to shout them down, they had arrested them, they'd beaten them, they'd flogged them, and they just couldn't stop the gospel. Well, then God raised up someone who wasn't one of the 12 apostles this man named Stephen. He started out by accepting responsibility along with six other men to help the apostles with the daily care of the feeding of the widows in the early church. And soon, by God's power, Stephen was doing miracles just like the apostles, and he too proclaimed Christ. And so guess what? They arrested him. The Sanhedrin... Suborned false witnesses who accused him of blaspheming Moses, of blaspheming God, of speaking ill of the temple, of speaking ill of the law of Moses, and claiming that Stephen had said that he would that this Jesus would destroy the temple and all the things done there. So, they came to wherever Stephen was, presumably, probably in the temple courtyard and they dragged him away and brought him to that same place. Remember, the the members of the council would sit around the the, the edges, and there was a place in the center for the one who was being grilled, and they started accusing Stephen. Now, I'm sure Stephen could tell this was actually a lynch mob. The accusations against him are at the end of chapter 6, and then I know other words were said, but we have this summary at the beginning of chapter 7, verse 1, the the high priest said, are these things so? And that launched verses 2 through 53, which I entitled, Best Last Words Ever. And it was all about Jesus. Verses 2 through 53 is Stephen's great monologue, prior to the moment when these Self righteous hypocrites murdered him without any due process, without any proof of guilt. And as a matter of fact, he was quite innocent. We saw him start with Genesis. In verses 2 through 16, he showed how this this gospel that he and the apostles were preaching was the, the final step in God's unfolding of His plan of redemption that started with the covenant God made with Abraham and it built from there. And he went all the way back into Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, how Israel wound up being in Egypt. And then in verses 17 through 43, Stephen preached about Moses. And he showed that not only was he not blaspheming Moses or the law, but his accusers were doing exactly what their forefathers had done in rejecting God's prophets. And, and last time we looked at what he said about Moses, this guy off the top of his head, with his life hanging in the balance, summarized Exodus through Deuteronomy. And now in our final visit to this chapter, we're going to see, well, it's the end for Stephen. But we'll see how the rest of his final day on this planet unfolded, and then we're going to circle back and see what God would have each of us do in light of this astounding chapter. So we're going to look officially at verses 44 through 60 today. Number one, Stephen says, you were wrong about me and the temple. Number two, he says, you're guilty, not me. And number three... Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, Stephen has shown his loyalty to God. He has shown that he wasn't blaspheming. He has shown that his his message is in perfect harmony with Moses and that he also was not blaspheming or criticizing Moses. In fact, it was his accusers who were rejecting God's message through Moses and, and the law. We know that the law given through Moses was given to be our tutor to lead us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Those countless thousands of of sacrifices repeated over and over again, all of them pictured the need for the once for all sacrifice, which is Christ Christ. Next, Stephen addressed the, that absurd notion that he somehow spoke against the temple himself and the law that was implemented in the temple. And yet again, he shows amazing command of, well, we call it the Old Testament. It was the only testament he had. It was God's Word. Uh, to show his respect for the temple, he recounts the history of it. And he starts with the original prototype of the temple which was the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness and it was always at the center of the life of the Israelites after they left Egypt all the way up until the time when Solomon built the first temple in Jerusalem. Israel carried that tabernacle with them when they crossed the Jordan River and they entered the promised land and so we're going to pick it up at chapter 7 verse 44. Stephen says, now remember, the accusation is he's been criticizing the temple and saying that Jesus is going to destroy it. Stephen says, "Our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness just as he spoke, as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. And having received it in their turn, our fathers brought it in with Joshua upon dispossessing the nations whom God drove out before our fathers until the time of Christ. Gee, this guy also knows the whole book of Joshua and even beyond Joshua. It's marvelous how he summarized the story of the tabernacle just as he'd summarized the covenant with Abraham and the life of Moses. And he has alluded to the, to the Davidic covenant. And now he goes on. He's assuming that his accusers, since they are the priesthood of Of Israel at that time. He's assuming that they're familiar with Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. We call them six books. The Jews called them three books, major historical sections of the Old Testament. And here's the next installment in his summary. Verse 47, David found favor in God's sight and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him.